This is Hello Boss Girl with Carrie Ramsey on 91X. Each week, explore big ideas from Boss Girl startups in the Quinty region through conversations with female founders. Hi, this is Carrie Ramsey, and today's episode is all about forward thinking. After all, planning for the future is a wise and responsible way to approach any business. And my guest on the show is an expert in doing just that. Jeanette Ranbarine is a co-owner of Forward Finances in Belleville, and she's been hooked on investing since she was a teenager. Jeanette grew up in Prince Edward County and eventually settled in the Quinty area, where she lives with her husband and their two teenage children. She's a licensed insurance broker, investment advisor, and co-owner of Forward Finances. An entrepreneur by nature, Jeanette has been involved in several businesses, including owning and operating a music studio, publishing an award-winning children's book, and developing a financial kit for kids. She's also received the Quinty Business Achievement Award for Retail Business of the Year, the Government of Canada Recognition Award for Teaching and Inspiring Youth, not to mention the Mom's Choice Award and the Moonbeam Children's Book Award for her book, Four Little Picks. More on that later, but for now, welcome to the show, Jeanette. Thanks so much, Carrie. Thanks for having me today. I mentioned in the intro that you've been interested in the world of investment since you were a teenager. Tell us a bit about that. Absolutely. So when I was a teenager, I used to babysit for a lot of families that lived in our neighborhood. And one of the first things that uh, was taught to me, my dad said, you know, you're making all this extra money let's go down and buy some bars of silver, some one ounce bars of silver. What we're going to do is see how much you pay for them. We're going to track it. And when they go up, we're going to turn around and we're going to sell them for a profit. So what I started to learn at a really young age by doing this was that I can actually take the money that I'm making and I can turn a profit on it um, just by investing it in something as simple and tangible as silver bars. So I think at a young age that really sparked my enthusiasm in interest in the world of financials. Well, yeah, most teenagers take their babysitting money and go to the mall. But this is a very different take on it. And that early education, I guess, probably set your course. Absolutely. I think it had a lot to do, a lot to do with, uh, you know, where I am today in life. And so today you have a business with your husband, Richards. What is Forward Finances all about? So Forward Finances is the business that my husband, Richards, and I started together. Um, Basically, we are dual insured. So we're insurance brokers as well as investment advisors. We have licensing on both sides. Um, What this allows us to do is sit down with our clients and really look at their financial picture. So when we have a new client come in, what we're looking to do is see where are all their financial pieces right now in their life? Do they have debt? Do they have money that they owe? What are their financial goals? And then we take all those pieces and see how we can put them together to make them be able to reach their financial goals that they have in life. So we always kind of liken it when we're talking to our clients is there's a lot of puzzle pieces right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to put them all together for you in your life. So you have a puzzle that fits together and will help you meet your financial goals. And that's just brilliant because when you use the analogy of the puzzle, I think a lot of people have dropped those puzzle pieces all over the floor and yes. they're picking them up and collecting them because they probably didn't have that early training that you had. Yes. And in fact, you and I have talked quite a bit in the past about the fact that there's no real financial literacy training in our schools today, whether at the elementary level, the high school level. And I have teenage kids 
kids as well, and they say to me as well, where's the course on financial management? They know this is important. So again, as parents, we teach at home. Right. So tell us about this book that you created, The Four Little Pigs. So The Four Little Pigs um, was a story that I created based on how we were teaching our own children about money. So when our son was really young, we knew we wanted to have a way to, to start introducing these concepts that we were familiar with. So we gave him four piggy banks, not just one to kind of put all of his money into, but we gave him four and we labeled them. So there was one for spending, which was his pocket money he could take with him when we went out to the store and buy himself something. One was for saving. So we wanted him to think about a goal that he would have to save up for something that he would take him a little bit longer. And that also helps uh, teach children delayed gratification. Uh, we had another piggy bank for sharing, and they had to find some way to kind of give back to their community, how they would use the money from that one to help other people. And then we had another piggy bank for schooling, and that one was for his long-term education savings. So we we read a lot to our kids when they were younger, and I was looking for something, a children's book, that would kind of reinforce these concepts with children, and I couldn't find anything on the market. Our kids were still little. They were four or five years old. Um, um, and I couldn't find any books that were written on a level that they would understand. So I decided to write the story of what our son was doing with the money from these four little pigs. And that's how the story kind of came to be of the four little pigs. And it's basically how he budgeted, learned budgeting skills and used the money from those four piggy banks. Such a great solution to a common problem. And mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of parents who are listening right now can relate to that and are going to head out and buy four little piggy banks really, really <laughs> quickly. I know you've actually sold more than 5,000 books and over 2,000 financial kits across North America for the four little pigs. You also recently donated a bunch of books to Quinney Area Schools. So that's awesome. Tell us about that. Yeah. So one of the gaps, you know, like you mentioned, is finances is really not taught in our our educational system. Um, The school board did purchase copies for all the libraries. So all the libraries within the Hastings Prince Edward County schools have a copy of the four little pigs, but we wanted it to be more accessible to the teachers. So um, in line with financial literacy month, we decided what we would do is we would donate copies so that every classroom from JK to grade three would actually have uh, a copy of the four little pigs so that the teachers could utilize it to read to the kids to talk about those different concepts, asking questions about, you know, what are some of the things you like to spend your money on? And if you had to save up to purchase something, what would you save up for Um, when we're giving back to our community? What are things that are important to you? How can we help people? And then schooling is great one to talk with little ones about, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, when you get to that point where you're an adult, what do you see yourself doing? What are some of the things that you absolutely would love doing as a career? later on in life. Fantastic. And I remember my son, you must have gone into the class uh, at some point at his school because he came home and was talking about this book. And that's how I first learned about it, actually. Yes. So I'm a huge fan of children's books. And I think that as adults, there's a lot that we can learn from simple storylines. So what are the lessons from your children's book that would apply to adults as well? And how would you apply them? Um, it's really interesting because a lot of times uh, when parents have, you know, purchased the book and they've read it to their kids, they say, I love that 
that story because it does apply to my own life. Um, the same concepts hold true when we're looking at our spending habits as adults, uh, when we're saving up for things, you know, whether it's a car or a vacation, those concepts still come into play where we have to save up money for those kinds of bigger purchases. Sharing is an interesting one because a lot of people, you know, they support charities that are close to them. So it's something usually that's affected them in their own life. And it's always interesting to talk to different people and find out what charities or community programs they support. Um, the way the schooling kind of comes into play with this would be more for retirement. So it's being able to put aside those smaller amounts of money over time that's going to be able to help them uh, retire one day and have a comfortable, you know, little nest there to allow them to retire comfortably. And it's really, we're talking about mindfulness. Again, yes. this is a common theme that comes up on this show, but it's mindfulness with regards to money. It's, yes. it's not just purchasing impulsively and all of these habits that we tend to get into thanks to the marketing industry. Yes. So I think that's really important. I think as well, people think that they have to be making six figures or lots more to even think about investing. Is that true or is that a bit of a myth? Uh, that is definitely a myth. I, you know, at the beginning, we talked about how I was 14 when I was already buying tangible bars of silver and then tracking the index and then selling them for a profit. Um, when I was 20, I actually opened up my first RRSP for retirement. And I mean, at 20 years old, you don't have a lot of money to be able to invest. And um, retirement seems so it far does. away. It seems like <laughs> such an unusual concept. Um, but really what it is, it's it's small amounts of money invested over time at a good rate of return and good quality investments that's going to actually grow that investment portfolio. And one of the things I love most about um, working with clients is being able to run those projections. So I just did one the other day for a client who's 20 years old investing $50 a month. And, you know, she's wondering, is this money going to actually amount to anything one day? And the Toronto Stock Exchange, we kind of look at that over the last 30 years, it has about a 10% rate of return. So I said to her, if you keep putting in just $50 a month, by the time you're 65 years old, at a 10% rate of return, there'll be over $450,000. That's astounding. And I love <laughs> running those kind of projections, yeah. especially for young people, because it's not having that six you know, digit figure that you need, but it's just the discipline to have, um, you know, just a little bit going away each month and then allowing that to do its work, let that money work for you and grow over time. And um, that's one of my favorite things about this job is being able to run those projections for our clients. And with online banking now, it goes out so quickly out of your account. I think most of us don't even realize it's gone. And frankly, yes. we would have spent it on something frivolous anyways. Exactly. In most cases. Yeah. So. And when you look at, you know, even $50, I mean, that's, you know, a dinner out. You it's know, true. Going out for, for dinner. That's so, an eye opener. Yes. Yeah. So what are, in your opinion, the three most important rules when it comes to investing your hard-earned money? Um, just to play along a little bit with that last question. It's it's doing it regularly. And I mean, as investment advisors, we, we set up monthly contributions for our clients. So you don't even notice it. It'll come out of your account every month. So being diligent, making sure that you're making those regular contributions. Um, the second one, I guess, would be diversifying the money, making sure that um, the income that you're investing isn't just in one thing. So you don't want to just be buying one particular 
regular stock and putting all your eggs in one basket. What you really want to do is make sure that your investment portfolio is diversified, um, both geographically, so not just maybe investing all of your money in Canada, but looking to Canada, the United States, globally, um, and also different sectors as well. You don't want to just be investing in financials, but you know, let's look at healthcare, let's look at technology and some other sectors. And I think that's where we do a really good job of listening to what the clients are, you know, telling us what their goals are. And then we look to diversify the portfolios. And I guess the third one would be work with a financial advisor. Find a financial advisor who um, understands what your financial goals are. They understand where you want to be. They are able to talk to you at a level that you understand. They're not talking over your head and introducing concepts to you that you really don't understand. They should be able to um, talk to you on a level that you really understand um, how you're going to be meeting your financial goals. And we need to have those financial goals, whether yes. we're individuals or business owners, we should really have strategies. And again, right. it comes back to that mindful money making and mindful money investment, all of that, which is, is really key. So how does risk taking play into this conversation about investment? I know a lot of listeners right now are across the spectrum when mm-hmm. it comes to risk. Uh, do you have it have to be a risk taker to be an investor? You don't. One of the first things that we do when we meet with clients is we do a risk profile with them. And the questions are very easy to understand. And what it gives us is a really good idea of how much risk we can actually take within their portfolio. Um, so that when we're putting that together, it's really going to match that risk tolerance. So some of the things that you look at is when are they going to need the money? If they're saving up for a car, they're going to need it in a couple years. You want to make sure that you're not taking on a lot of risk at that point because they're going to need that money. So they need it to kind of stay intact and just maybe make a couple percent. They're looking to save up for a house and they've got maybe 10 years before they're looking to buy. Then we structure their portfolio to be able to meet that need. Um, We always, when we talk to our clients, we say, you know, risk, if you look at going to Canada's wonderland. It's kind of like riding the coasters. You know, you can go on the Leviathan or the Behemoth, the great big coasters, and you can afford to do that if you have a lot of time on your side and you're willing to take that risk because that's really where you're going to get those higher rates of return. Um, you know, medium, if you're you're looking, oh, I'm not too risky of a person, but I can handle a little bit. That's maybe like your ghoster coaster at Canada's wonderland <laughs> where you're kind of riding really, along. I've been on all of these rides. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so you're going to get a few little ups and downs, but you're not going to see the great big ones like you would with the Leviathan or Behemoth. And then if you need the money within the next year or so, well, we're going to put you in the kitty coaster. (laughs) The swan ride. Yes, that's right. You're not taking really any dips there. You might make a little bit on your your investment, but you're not going to be losing a ton of money. Um, So really, when it comes down to the amount of risk that people can take, where we try to use analogies like that in our, our business to kind of explain to them what their portfolio is going to look like for their different investments to meet their different goals. Yeah, because people don't always speak investment language. So that's really the role of a financial planner or an investment advisor to help them with that. Absolutely. 
Well, let's take a little musical break right now. We're going to listen to a fun little song by Ingrid Michaelson that talks about, well, getting rich. It's called You and I, and you're listening to it on 91X. Don't you worry there, my honey. We might not have any money, but we've got our love to pay the bills. Maybe I think you're cute and funny Maybe I wanna do what bunnies do with you If you know what I mean Oh, let's get rich and buy our parents' homes In the south of France Let's get rich and give everybody nice sweaters And teach them how to dance Let's get rich and build a house on a mountain Making everybody look like ants From way up there You and I, you and I Well you might be a bit confused And you might be a little bit bruised But baby how we spoon like no one else so I will help you read those books If you will soothe my worried looks And we will put the lonesome on the shelf Let's get rich and buy our parents' homes In the south of France Let's get rich and give everybody nice sweaters And teach them how to dance Let's get rich and build a house on a mountain Making everybody look like ants From way up there, you and I, you and I Let's get rich and buy our parents' homes in the south of France Let's get rich and give everybody nice sweaters And teach them how to dance Let's get rich and build a house on a mountain Making everybody look like ants From way up there, you and I that was Ingrid Michaelson with You and I on 91X. And joining me in the Hello Boss Girl studio today is Jeanette Ramnerine, owner of Forward Finances in Belleville. Jeanette, everyone would love to buy their parents a home in the south of France, like the song says. But what about the opposite scenario? Let's talk kids', kids allowances for a couple of minutes. First of all, did you offer your kids an allowance? And if so, were there any strings attached? We did offer our kids an allowance, um, but the way we kind of structured it in our house was we're going to give you an allowance, but it's to teach you budgeting skills. So we didn't tie it to chores or anything like that um, because really it was a teaching tool we were using with them. So the kids, they always had chores growing up from the time they were really young. And we always said that's part of being a family is, you know, pitching in and helping each other out. So the way we structured their allowance, they were given a dollar for each year of life. So for example, when they were four, they were given $4 a week. When they were five, $5 a week. And we allowed them to split that money and budget it between their four piggy banks. So they were less keen on putting it into their schooling because that was, you know, something long term. The grandparents love that particular one because a lot of times it 
Christmas and birthdays, they would top that one up. Um, but usually they would want to put more into their spending or their saving if they were saving up for something. Um, and then sharing, they always wanted to put a little bit of money aside. And that was our only rule. When we give you your allowance, you're going to divide it between these four piggy banks to help you learn budgeting. Um, so they had an allowance up until the point when they got their first part-time job. So they started to deliver newspapers in the neighborhood. And at that point, we said, okay, you're making your own money now. So we're going to stop the allowance and you'll budget the money that you're getting now from your paper routes. And speaking of those paper routes, I know because my son also has had a paper route in the past. And your kids had that experience where they were doing a great job on their newspaper trail. Yes. Uh, but their jobs were terminated, not because of their work performance, but because of the declining newspaper industry. Yes. So I love the blog post that you wrote about this experience for your family, because there's a lot of lessons here that adults can learn as well. Did right. you want to tell us about how that all panned out? Sure, absolutely. Um, so both of our children, they, they were fortunate enough to find paper routes that were in our local neighborhood. So every Thursday, they would go out and deliver the paper. Um, and they did this for about four or five years. And then one day, I remember it just like it was yesterday, uh, we went down to get the mail after they delivered their papers. And there was an envelope in there for both of them. And I thought, this is kind of strange that it's addressed to, to them. So we brought it home and they opened it up and they found out that their newspaper job was terminated. Uh, they because, got the blue slip. Yeah, they did. <laughs> because Metroland the Media. Slip. I don't know. Do we have slips these days? I think it's a pink slip. Yeah. Uh, Metroland Media had amalgamated with Torstar. Uh, yeah. And so instead of having the two papers delivered, they amalgamated into one. So we thought this was a fantastic teaching tool to use with the kids, you know, just being, I, I don't even remember, they were 12 and 13 maybe at the time they lost their first job. And uh, my husband had lost his job a couple years prior to that. Uh, he had a government job. And... Uh, you know, my daughter, one of the first things that she said to me is, hey, when daddy lost his job, he got like a package and they had to keep paying him. Like, do we get that from the newspaper severance, company? Yeah. Yes. Do we get a severance for this? And at the time I thought, well, this is amazing. Like, maybe you do. So they had signed a contract. So I got them to dig up their contract that they had signed. And they did have to give the newspaper company four weeks notice if they were going to leave. And there was also a clause in there that the newspaper company would also give four weeks notice if they got terminated. So I uh, emailed Metroland the next morning and said, hey, my kids got their termination papers and uh, my daughter wants to know, are you going to honor the, the four-week uh, severance here? Mm. And uh, they were fantastic. They said, absolutely, we will pop some checks in the mail. And Isn't that great? the kids that did lose their job, they will you know, be paid out for the next four weeks. And it was great because it was right around uh, December when they lost their job. So I gave them a little bit of extra money around Christmas time too when that check came in. Pretty smart kid though to pay attention to those kinds of details. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my. So many of the women listening to today's show are both business owners and moms. So what are some of the ways we can model responsible financial planning for our kids? 
I think being really open and, uh, you know, talking about finances with your kids. I mean, you don't have to get into detail and tell them everything that's going on. Um, but having those discussions about, you know, we can't really afford this right now, but we're going to save up to go on vacation and really getting them involved in that process. I think one of the things our, our kids really learned from was we allowed them to use the money from their piggy banks to purchase things. Uh, we weren't buying things for them. They were, you know, if we went out and they wanted to chocolate bar you take your spending money with you and you buy a chocolate bar then um, so we allowed them to to actually handle money and to use uh, that to make their own purchases and there's a lot to be said about even uh, mistakes that they learn in doing that um, I remember our son one time uh, he ended up buying a, a cheap toy that fell apart and you know he had saved up quite a bit of money to purchase that and he thought you know maybe I should have you know thought about that a little bit more and maybe got something different because this ended up falling apart. So I love the fact that they learned those lessons when they were younger with just, you know, small amounts of money. It's not like they went out and spent a bunch of money on a car that broke down. So um, or made those kind of mistakes with with money later on in life. So really just allowing kids to use their own money and to learn uh, and make their own mistakes with it is a fantastic lesson that people can teach their kids. I think that's great. And that's so simple. That's mm-hmm. so organic, really, if we all just take that to heart. I think that's a really there's some great advice there yes. for, for families who are looking to you know, raise financially responsible kids. Yeah, my daughter actually, she uh, mentioned a couple weeks ago, she said, you know, I, I really like the fact that even all our school trips, you always made us pay for half. We would go into that spending piggy bank and, you know, you would pay half because it taught me math skills, first of all, because we had to figure out what am I paying, what are you paying? Um, but she said there's so many lessons that were learned in the fact that you allowed us to budget our own money and then handle that um, and you made us pay for things. So we got used to, you know, how to use money that way. Some great advice. Absolutely. So is there a song that helps get you moving and motivated when you're feeling a bit down and frustrated. I know those days come for us all. Yes, they do. I love the song Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. Um, It's a fantastic song because it it talks about as we're the author of our own lives, of our own stories. And there's so many pages that are left to still be written upon. And really, it's up to us to be able to, you know, create our own stories and figure out, you know, how is my life going to play out? Every day is a new day and it's a new blank page. Well, let's listen to it now. This is Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield on 91X.
Natasha Bedingfield with Unwritten on 91X. And as we wrap up today, Jeanette, I just want to say thank you so much for coming into the studio. Oh, thanks for having me, Carrie. I'm going to make sure that my kids listen to this episode so they can learn a few things about finances and investing. So to say thanks, we have a gift bag for you courtesy of Bay of Quinty Regional Marketing Board and the Small Business Centre at Loyalist College. I'd also like to thank our producer, Kathleen Rankin, for her investment in today's radio show, and also to everyone who's listening today. We hope you'll tune in next time for Hello Boss Girl on 91X. For more big ideas from Boss Girl startups, follow Hello Boss Girl on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And hear more conversations with female founders and boss girls from the Quinty region each week at this time on Alternative Radio 91X.